All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on Paul's letter to the Romans. In this session, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 13, which is part of this final section of applied theology where Paul is really saying to us, you are the people of God, now that's live like it. And he has some specific suggestions for the way we should do that. We said that the big header for this section is to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's the header. And then he begins to give some specific suggestions for that. And a lot of these first suggestions have to do with how we relate to other people, how we relate to uh, each other in the body of Christ, how we relate to people outside the church who want to harm us or who have harmed us. He's been interacting with that sort of stuff. Well, here in chapter 13, all of a sudden he shifts to the governing authorities. Well, how does that fit in with what he has just been saying? Remember, in the original, there was no chapter breaks, and so there was no end of chapter 12, beginning of chapter 13, brand new thought. And in some way, this section does seem to fit in with what he said before. For example, notice how in chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, There was an emphasis on doing good, right? Overcoming evil with good and the importance of that, the good. Well, that shows up here as well in chapter 13 when you look at uh, verses 3 and 4. And he talks about the governing authorities that that they exist to... to reinforce the good and so do what is good and you'll have praise from them for the governing authorities are a minister for good. So that connection with the good uh, helps us see how it's connected to the proceeding or even the connection with vengeance and revenge at the end of chapter 12 verses 17 through 19 where Paul encouraged us to, to, to let vengeance be God's to not take our own revenge. Well, here again, talking about the governing authorities in verse 4, he says that um, that the governing authorities are a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. And so the governing authority is one way that God brings vengeance on evildoers and brings justice to the world. And so um, that connection with Revenge and vengeance is also one of the ways this connects here to this section. And one last connection that seems important is how uh, this whole section seems to be bookended by the command to love. 12.9 is a command to love. And then 13.8 through 10 is, again, a command to love. And so everything in between those, in some form or fashion, seems to uh, really be dealing with this idea of loving each other, that the Christian way of doing life fundamentally is agape love. And that encompasses so much of what Paul has to say here. It's very broad for Paul. So the fundamental Christian ethic is love that rejects evil for all, and thus even submitting to the governing authorities in some form or fashion is an expression of Christian love. And so Paul writes in 13.1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. That's the basic command, and this is something that's just well-established throughout the New Testament letters. Repeatedly, this shows up. Paul's writing, Peter's writings. It is just uh, replete in all of the New Testament letters that 
what we do as God's people living in this world is we submit to the governing authorities. That's part of our responsibility as Christians. That's part of what Jesus, as our king, expects for us. Yes, he's the ultimate king, but he expects us to submit to the governing authorities as we find them here on earth. So every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, to arrange themselves under them. That's the idea of subjection, submission, arranging under. We arrange ourselves under uh, the governing authorities here on earth. We don't say, well, hey, guess what? I have no king but Jesus, so I don't have to listen to you. No, Jesus wants us to listen to the governing authorities. Paul gives the reason for that in the second half of verse one. He says, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. And so governing authority, in other words, is God's will, is God's idea. This is what God designed and how he designed the world to function. Jesus says the same thing in John 19.11, where he says to Pilate, you would have no authority over me if it wasn't given to you by God. And so governing authority is delegated authority, and it's delegated specifically by God. That is both the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of Paul. And this is true about all authority. All human authority is delegated authority, whether it's uh, mom or dad. The reason you have authority over your kids is because God delegated that authority to whether it's a local ruler like a mayor or even a governor or a president or an emperor or a king, whatever it is, all human authority is delegated human authority. It doesn't reside in the individual inherently who has the position. Humans have authority only because God gave them, delegated that authority to their position. And they are accountable to God for how they use the authority entrusted to them. And thus, as Paul says here in Romans, to resist Human authority is actually to resist God. Notice what he says in verse 2. He says, therefore, whoever resists the human authorities, whoever stands against them and resists them, the human authorities, has actually opposed the ordinance of God. This is God's design. This is God's will. Um, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. And so we need to submit ourselves to the governing authorities, because God is the one who has designed life to work this way and has delegated authority to those positions. To resist those authority figures is actually to oppose the ordinance of God. And, that, and Paul says, and that brings condemnation on you. Why is that? Why is it the case that rebellion against the authorities will bring judgment or condemnation? Well, the reason for that is because the authorities are God's servants to punish wrongdoers. And so he says in verse 3, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it, it being the governing authorities, or authority in general, for it is a minister or servant of God to you for good. And so the reason... A rebellion against the authorities will actually bring condemnation or judgment is because that's their whole purpose. Their job is to punish wrongdoers. Um, as he says here, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior. If you've done nothing wrong, you don't have to fear good behavior. Um, but they are a cause of fear for evil. Now, we know there are exceptions to this, right? Paul is not at this point giving a, a complete and total 
uh, philosophy of government, but he he's dealing with the the basic way God designed things to work and the way, generally speaking, things do work. If you do what is good and right, you don't have to be afraid of the governing authorities. If you do what's wrong, you do. Now, we recognize that it doesn't always work out that way in a fallen world where you're dealing with imperfect humans and unjust systems of government. Get that. But generally speaking, this is the biblical view of authority. All right. Um, so he says, do you want to have no fear of authority? Well, do what is good and you will have praise from the same. And generally speaking, that's the case. If you uh, are respectful and submissive and obedient to your teachers in school, you, you'll receive praise from them. If you're rebellious and rude and you won't cooperate and you won't follow the rules, you'll have trouble for yourselves and you have punishment for yourselves. That's just generally the way it works. The same is true in society at large. If you're uh, if you're a good citizen and cooperative and you obey the laws of the land, by and large, things will go well for you and you'll have praise from the, the local authorities. If not, you'll have punishment and problem from the local authorities. That's just generally the way it's supposed to work. And the reason for that, as he says in verse 4, is for authority, it, the governing authorities or rulers or it in singular here, is just authority in general. For authority is a servant of God to you for good. And so it's actually, they translate it minister, but the word is just servant. The authority is God's servant. When delegated to human beings, it's actually a servant of God for your benefit, for your good. Again, the easiest place to see this is perhaps with good, wise, just parents. Um, they actually are there for the good of the kid. Their authority is for um, raising up the child and helping them learn the right way to do life and to protect them from wrong and difficulty and all sorts of self-harm. So it's for your good. Well, the same is supposed to be true for governing authorities. It is, as an authority figure, it is a servant of God for good. But, he says, if you do what is evil, be afraid. You should have legitimate fear if you keep doing what's wrong and what's bad. You keep breaking the laws. Be afraid. Why? Well, he says, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. Um, what is he getting at by that? Well, the sword was the primary way the Roman government um, practiced capital punishment, the way they executed wrongdoers and criminals. And so Paul seems to be suggesting that the, the threat of punishment is a legitimate part of governing, and not just any punishment. When he says bear the sword, he's actually talking about capital punishment. And so he seems to be suggesting that the government has the authority to enforce the rules by punishment, um, apparently by even practicing capital punishment, uh, executing wrongdoers. That seems to be what he's getting at here. Um, he says it's an avenger of, it's an avenger, meaning an avenger for God, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Now, if you remember the preceding context, what Paul had said at the end of chapter 12 is that we need to leave room for the wrath of God, or for wrath, literally, the, of God is supplied there, but we know what he's talking about, leave room for wrath, 
Why? Well, because God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And what Paul seems to be saying here in connection with that in Romans 13, 4, is that one of the ways God practices vengeance and brings wrath is through the governing authorities. And so, as N.T. Wright says, this is the point at which the authority must do what the private individual may not do. The authority must enforce laws and punish the wrongdoer, and in that sense, bring wrath, whereas the private individual, me and you, we may not do that because we are to allow room for the wrath of God. And one of the ways he does that, brings that wrath, is through the governing authorities. Paul goes on and says in verse 5, Therefore, it's necessary to be in subjection to them, not only because of wrath, but for conscience sake. So, uh, submit yourself to them, not just because you're afraid of being punished. That's the idea of not only because of wrath, not just because you're afraid of being punished, but also for conscience sake. In other words, what he's getting at is because it's the right thing to do. Because God is the one who has arranged society to be set up this way. God is the one who has delegated authority to human beings. And thus, for having a good conscience, arrange yourself under them. Um, he goes on and says, this high standing, this high position and purpose of the government actually obligates us to even pay taxes to them. He says in verse 6, for because of this, like he's emphatic, on account of this, for this reason, because of this job that's delegated by God to the authorities, you pay taxes. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. And so if we have a full biblical understanding of governing authorities, then we'll understand why it is that we need to pay taxes to them. It's part of just the way God has arranged society to work. And so we pay taxes to the rulers because they're servants of God and they are devoted to this very thing. And so they need to underwrite the cost somehow, and thus we're obligated to pay taxes. Paul says in verse 7, so render to all what is due to them. Like this is just part of life in this world, part of living as a citizen on earth. Render to all what is due to them. Tax to whom tax is due. So pay your taxes. Custom to who custom is due, which the customs were uh specific kinds of taxes you might have to pay, like a custom on a good that's imported, right? Or there were even taxed offices, you know, when you cross from one province to another. And so now you had to pay some custom on whatever it was that you were bringing with you from one province to another. So custom to whom custom um, is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. And the implication there with honor is uh, when you submit, you do so not begrudgingly, you do so with a spirit of honor. I'm going to act with honor towards the governing authorities. I'm going to think of them with honor. I'm going to speak of them with honor. And honor goes deeper than just bare external submission. Honor goes to the internal posture and position of the soul. I will honor them. Not because they're perfect, not because they always get it right, not because they're always totally just, but because their position is a God-given position and their authority is a God-delegated authority and thus I will honor them. All right, now before we leave the topic of governing authorities, it, this does raise, I think, a very important question for us as followers of Jesus. And that question is, as those who follow Jesus, the Jesus who submitted to the governing authorities to such an extent that he was executed by them, 
And so as those who follow that Jesus, is it ever right to resist the governing authorities? And to answer that question, let's first restate what Paul has taught us here. And that is that God expects us to submit to and honor the governing authorities, which means arranging ourselves under their authority and recognizing that they have the God-given claim on us, even the right to punish us if we do wrong. And thus to rebel against the governing authorities is to oppose God's decree that there should be government. That's the fundamental posture. That is our default operating position. Uh, Now, what about the question then, is it ever right to resist the government? And here is what I think seems to be the basic biblical answer. Our basic stance must always be one of respect, honor, and obedience. Not because the individuals in the government are always right, but because the position of authority is delegated by God. So we honor the position and we treat the individual filling the position with respect. When the government, however, requires us to disobey God, we must choose loyalty to God. Now, this is a very important point. Is it ever right to resist the government? It seems like what the Bible teaches is only if by obeying the government, we would be forced into a position of disobeying God. It's not just we don't like that law or just that that law is inconvenient or something like that. It's if the government it, it lays down a law and in order to obey that law, I would be forced to disobey God. At that point, I'm, I'm really put in a hard place between obeying God's given human authorities and obeying God himself. And if I'm ever in that choice, obviously God's authority ultimately wins out. The apostles are a great example for this in Acts chapters 4 and 5. The apostles have been told not to Um, not to preach, and yet they keep on preaching. And as a result, they're arrested again. This time they're beaten. They're beaten with uh, whips, and they're whipped and sent home. And they go home, it says, from the council, rejoicing that they've been counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, the reason they continued preaching, even though they had been given an injunction not to preach, was Well, God had told them to. Jesus had commanded them to. That's their whole ministry is to tell the story of Jesus. And so when the government says, you can't preach about Jesus, and Jesus says, go and preach about me, now they have two competing rules. Who are they going to choose? Well, they choose King Jesus over the local authorities. But at the same time, they accept the consequences of their actions. And they, they speak respectfully to the governing authorities. They tell them we've got to keep preaching because Jesus told us to. They are beaten and they go home rejoicing because they have been counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And so it's not just that they're in a position where they don't like the law of the land. It's that the law or the injunction that was given to them, the specific commandment from the local authorities, would have required them to disobey Jesus. And they couldn't do that. And they accepted the punishment of of the governing authorities for violating that injunction. And so in those exceptional cases where we must obey God rather than man, as we see there in Acts chapter 4 and 5, we must be prepared to suffer the consequences of our disobedience, just like the apostles did. This too shows our submission to the divine plan that there be governing officials. So it is exceptional and probably rare when we're going to have to disobey the governing authorities. It's only when there's a command that would that would 
actively force me to disobey God. So with that little qualification or caveat in mind, don't lose Paul's basic point here. Christians, our way to do life is to arrange ourselves under the governing authorities rather than revolt or rather than passive-aggressively withdraw or even passive-aggressively disobey. Our job is to honor and arrange ourselves under the authority of the government.